0: Being productive is obviously a good thing. Can we measure it though? Should we measure it? There's been many failed attempts like lines of code in the past. Currently, there are new tools to measure productivity like using get metrics. Nick Hodges joins the show to discuss the good and the bad of measuring developer and team productivity, including how we can improve productivity. Welcome to Test and Code. Today on Test and Code, we have Nick Hodges uh, talking about developer productivity. But before we jump in, Nick, uh, welcome to the show and uh, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate being here. This is really fun. Uh, I'm the developer advocate at Rollbar, and uh, I'm a longtime developer, software development manager. Just uh, fairly new in the uh, developer advocacy role, and uh, really enjoying it. And uh, I'm really glad to be here. Thank you.
0: Awesome. So um, you came up with the the topic idea of developer productivity, but why why did why did you start caring about developer productivity?
1: Well, uh, I was a uh, uh, developer for a long time, and of course, I wanted to be as productive as I could. And I, you know. As a developer, you can kind of know how productive you're being. You can kind of feel it. But then I became a manager and I realized that it was one of my jobs was to make sure that my team was productive. My The developers on my team were productive. And I'm guessing that uh, that's not as easy as uh, I found out, I should say, that I, it's not as easy as one thinks to figure out how productive your developers are. Uh, there's no real, there wasn't at the time anyway, back in back in the day a real way to measure that um you could do you know they tried the classic lines of code or story point completion and all that stuff and all those were very gameable and didn't work and uh, hmm. so i became very interested in it and actually but you know light years ago in the uh, internet time but only 10 years ago in the calendar time i uh i wrote an article called you know can you measure developer productivity and I came to the conclusion that no, you cannot. And one of the reasons I came to that conclusion was a lot of uh, well-known software development writers had come to that same conclusion as well. Uh, Martin Fowler, Joel Spolsky, Scott McConnell, some of those guys just basically said, you know, at this particular juncture, we can't measure developer productivity because it's pretty much impossible to game, or pretty much impossible to find something that isn't gameable. Okay. And uh, so that was my conclusion. And I came to the uh, I came to realize that somehow, some way, though, I knew who my productive developers were. You know, there were yeah. there were uh, people on the team that were very good, and people on the team that were good, and then occasionally you'd run across somebody that was not good. And uh, yeah. uh, so, and it was very ob- strangely enough, it was pretty obvious based upon your intuition, your experience, your knowledge. The things that you could kind of observe subjectively. And, uh, but the objective measurement of developer productivity was always very big and challenging. So I got kind of interested in it and still am.
0: So, is it, did something change? You said 10 years ago we couldn't measure it. Yeah, um, I think,
1: I think now we can. Uh, and the question of whether we should or not is kind of different from whether we can. <laughs> But I think the advent of sort of Git won the source control wars, you know, uh, or 10 you know, years ago, uh, Mercurial was kind of up there and so, somewhat popular, but somehow Git, you know, just rose to the top. And I I think 99% of the, uh, you know, repositories out there are probably in Git these days. I think any Mercurial, we used to have our Mercurial, I used to, where I worked, had our Mercurial. Uh, repository of mercurial and uh, we eventually com- switched over to git just because it was hard to find people that knew mercurial or basically yeah. if we were using mercurial people said oh you guys are behind the times whatever but anyway
0: <laughs> it's a very advanced thing but it's kind of like a betamax argument it is yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. but uh so uh git and places like github gitlab bitbucket those kind of places now Provide you with this API that let you pull all kinds of really interesting information out of your uh, out of your Git repositories, and hmm. um, uh, there's a lot of information available about individual developers. There's uh, information in there about you know how often people are checking in, how long things are taking between check in and code reviews, and all kinds of really interesting information that you can garner from that. You can pull from that, and I think you can you can actually find out who is doing things uh, how you how, how individuals are doing things you know how many pull requests they're they're creating how many pull requests they're closing how frequently they do them all those kind of things that you can measure now again if you start measuring things usually the result particularly with uh, you know knowledge workers like developers uh, you end up with the the ability to gain that you know if you start measuring and saying okay the best developers in my organization all do x number of pull requests per week well you'll get that number of pull requests per week whether that's a good (laughs) thing or a bad thing right yeah whether that's good or bad I don't know and then certainly if if uh, if you start measuring developers based upon certain criteria inside of Git that can become competitive it can come become uh, bad for morale uh, it can become big brothery you know nobody yeah. needs to be big brother and stuff so it's it's an interesting question about w- what you can do and what you should do.
0: okay well what should you do? should you measure this?
1: well uh, my uh, my recommendation the conclusion I've come to is that you should measure the team you can measure team and project measurements with uh, tools that uh, get you know provides but that, uh, individuals should probably not be measured or at least not compared. Um, I've often thought it would be interesting because there's tools out there like linear B and, uh, uh, some of the other tools that, uh, um, you know, provide these, this information for you as a, as a service and as a, as a product. Um, and, um, I've often thought that, while you can, you should measure the team's systems. There would be a cool feature where maybe you could have just the only person who could see their individual statistics were that in you know the the developer themselves, as opposed to hmm. sort of the manager. So if you were logged into the, if you were logged into, say you know Jellyfish or something like that, you could see your own stats, but nobody else could see your stats. So I thought that would be kind of a cool way of doing it. But I think what happens when you if you were to say allow individual stats to be broadcast out to everybody you would start getting a competition or a rivalry or i'm, I'm not sure where, where i'm trying to think of it between developers that you don't want because you want teamwork you know yeah. development's a team sport I, in my view and uh, and you don't want people saying well oh, he's got more you know he's he's got more pull requests or he's done more code reviews than me i need to jump on that and start doing them Well, you do kind of need to jump on and start doing them, but you don't want to be doing them just to get the numbers up. You want to be doing them because that's the right thing to do. And it's part of the process.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to figure out which ones I would really care about. I'd probably want to know things like um, when a, I don't know if you can measure this stuff though. I've never looked into it, but things like when a, when a a pull request is opened, how long does it take before it gets reviewed by people? Um, And and yeah hum-
1: that's something that can be measured and in fact that's an important measurement i think for many teams uh monitor that exact thing you know try and reduce that one of the main measures that people measure now is cycle time yeah uh and then so one of the segments of cycle time is pull request wait time and uh yeah that's a very important statistic
0: yeah because when i'm when i'm in the flow i'm i'm i've got a PR in um on both ends of it if somebody else has a pull request that they'd like me to review I'm like man I'm doing stuff I Uh I'll I'll do it later but if I've got a PR I want everybody to just drop what they're doing and go review it right now somewhere in between is good um we don't want people to to jump out of the flow if they're uh in the middle of something but at the same time having those sit around too long it just slows stuff down so
1: yeah you know and if you're going to provide feedback to somebody, you don't want the feedback to be uh, two days later. You know, hopefully you can get it within hours, you know,
0: right. Cause their mind is still in the problem and you don't want right. to, uh, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Another, uh, really interesting measurement that that these tools provide is, uh, uh, PR average PR size. Cause you know, you don't want your PR, you don't want pull request to be too small, but you don't want it too big either. And so you want, uh, as a team, you need to decide how big you want your pull request to be. And then you want them to be kind of in that general area in that general vicinity of, of what a perfect pull request size would be. Depends on the uh-huh. team, but
0: you know, you don't about want... 4,000 lines of code changed, right? Right. And uh,
1: <laughs> you know, and every once in a while you'll have a one line change of course, but uh, you know, for new features in particular, you don't want to go uh, three weeks and then turn in, six you know, sixty files and five thousand lines of code, like you said. It's not something you want to review. And then of course, nobody will want to review that. And so it might sit around. And then there's all kinds of bad things that happen when your pull request size gets too big. So monitor yeah, pull request size is a real good one.
0: I hadn't really thought about that too much before. I had I, I can't remember a recent interview where I was talking about somebody was talking about how um of breaking down uh, large refactorings into smaller chunks so um if you know part of it, part of it was uh, cleaning up the code so that it was uh, compliant to a um uh like pep 8 or something right um uh maybe have that be one one pull request and then the actual changing of the behavior be another one um to just make it to break it into the different stages so that people are easy can review it easier. And if it, if not multiple PRs at the very least kind of reordering commits Mm -hmm, so that the, mm -hmm. so that the PR can be uh, viewed with the different commits. It's an interesting idea.
1: Yeah. Commit size is another interesting thing to measure because you don't want your commit, you know, you don't want to be a single commit to be, you know, 50 lines of code, but you don't want to have like 51 line code commits either necessarily. (laughs) So you want to try and, you know, commit, small atomic things that occur but you don't want to be committing too small and you don't again don't want to be it's like you know the goldilocks right you don't want it yeah. too small you don't want your commits too big you want to just write
0: yeah <laughs> or well like the in the pr one i or the the code cleanup one if if you're if you've got some old code that's um like not compliant to the naming standards or something like that and you're you're not doing functional changes you're just doing you know, non-functional changes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then that's easy to review. Tons of lines of code. You can just say, "Hey, I threw black on it, um, and it changed everything." Sure. But that that's all in one commit. Uh, there's nothing else in there. Um, pretty easy to review that. Yeah, but.
1: yeah, fair enough.
0: Um, well, so are there? Okay, so any other interesting ones that I think that are interesting for teams?
1: Um, the one that's hard to measure sometimes, but that I think is real important too, and it's one that. Has gotten a lot of attention out there is uh, deployment time—the average time it takes from the time you commit to ma- you know to commit to the main branch, and that it actually ends up in production. However oh, long okay. that time is, and uh, there's a lot of people out there who say that should be 15 minutes or less. Um, wow, yeah, uh, uh, Charity Majors from Honeycomb is very famous for saying 15 minutes or bust. You know, it's just you want the time from the moment you check your code in. To the time you get actually start seeing feedback from it in production, uh, to be as short as possible, fifteen minutes. With, again, with the idea that if you start seeing problems, you still have that issue fresh in your mind. It's not something that happened four days ago or four months ago, for that matter. You know, sometimes. right? And so, if if a problem occurs, you can uh, immediately f- uh, f- uh, fix the problem and 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 have that the the code fresh in your mind the house of cards that you've built up is still kind of there perhaps. And, you know, shortening that distance from keyboard to production is is uh, really critical, I think.
0: So uh, do these, 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 do these metrics that you're talking about sort of line up with your gut feel for productive people when you sort of compare the two?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I think so. Uh, um, again, most of these measurements I'm talking, you know, these measurements I'm talking about are team measurements on average. You know, like the team doesn't necessarily uh, uh, individuals don't necessarily need to worry about how long it takes saved code from keyboard to production. But as on average, as as the team does it, I think it does. Um, yeah. But I think you know, as a say, you're a senior developer or a tech lead or even you know the, the uh, non technical manager or whatever. If you're doing code reviews, you know which people you you end up knowing which developers are the ones who turn in code reviews that are well done and good size, all those good things. And, and you get that gut feel just from your memory and your remembrance. But if you have numbers to back that up, particularly in terms of team averages, um, that, that can be very helpful as well. So, yeah, I think. So, go ahead.
0: So do you think, like, let's say um, uh, if a, if a manager is not actually involved in the c- code too much, do you think they should still be involved with code reviews or? No, probably oh, not. I would
1: think not. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, code reviews probably should be done by fellow coders. A matter of fact, I'm a believer that even junior people should be doing code reviews of senior people. One from a learning process and two, so they can ask questions and, and see, you know, Hey, why'd you do that? You know, why'd you do it this way? Uh, why, yeah. you know, why did you choose that particular means of method of doing something and um and you know a junior developer might find problems in a senior developer's code that might be a little you know ruffle some feathers or be a little issue of pride or whatever but uh that could happen and
0: oh yeah and the learning is the learning advantage is huge of even with the questions of like why did Why did you do that? What does this have to do with this other piece of code? Yeah. Oh, well that's, that's, I mean, you can, it'll find holes in the the onboarding documentation and stuff too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, So uh, uh, one of the questions we had down was uh, what are some drags on this? So what, what causes productivity to go down?
1: Um, Well, that's an interesting question. And it kind of gets to, in my mind it gets to kind of what productivity is like, a really hard bug can drag productivity down, right? If there's like a really super challenging issue that needs to be fixed and it takes you two weeks to track it down, fix it and get it out in deployment, that that could be a real productivity buster. But then the question becomes, is that a productivity buster? I mean, if it... Or was it just a hard problem? Was it just a hard problem? And of course, that's another reason not to measure people against each other is because sometimes people senior developers maybe work on hard problems and the junior developers are given the easier problems to start. And then maybe that ends up balancing out over, over time. But, you know, if somebody's working on hard problems all the time, they're not going to seem quote unquote, as productive as other people.
0: Yeah. And and some people, uh, I think it's like you were saying, measuring the team makes sense because as a team, you got to have uh, this has to flow. But if 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 generally the different personalities are such that you know somebody really likes to do code reviews, uh, yeah, uh, a, a lot and jumps on those right away. Mm-hmm. Great, um, it's okay if it's one or two people that are doing uh, the the ones that are jumping on that right away.
1: Right, so. right. Now I've I've been in organizations where the all the code reviews were done by the technical managers, or occasionally you know, and then occasionally we we would we did them with the uh, sort of the technical leads you know the manager not the manager per se but the technical leads but uh i would encourage teams to to you know have everybody do code reviews have everybody look in process um, historically they've been sort of weekly things too that's another thing i think that's changed a lot they used to be say every friday we'd review everything that happened during the week Whereas now I think the idea is to try and review them as close to as possible to the check-in time. So when the pull request is created, so they happen more dynamically rather than in a planned fashion. Well,
0: if you did it weekly, would you hold off the PR or just go back? Would you go ahead and merge it and go back and review them after the fact?
1: Well, I think historic, you know, Back when uh, code reviews first started be happening, I think it was a weekly thing. But I think it was also at, at a time when, uh, you know, you wouldn't necessarily deploy immediately. Um, oh, you know, yeah. It would be, say, a client-server environment where you only deploy your new version, say, every quarter or you shoot every year, for that matter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I used to work at Borland where on the Delphi team and, you know, C++ Builder and Delphi and J builder tools like that, they'd release once a year you know new versions would release once a year
0: i guess it, it ha- wasn't really that long ago when we or maybe like you said internet time it was a long time ago but <laughs> uh years wise not really where code reviews were not something easy i mean it was it wasn't i mean right now when i when i refer to a code review i'm thinking of the the code review part of pr so right. uh, in git in gitlab or github or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um and you could just see all the changes what changed and you could see the old and the new and what got deleted things like that um and but I mean, it wasn't that long ago where code review meant pulling people into a room yep. and yep. throwing the code up on like the new code up on the projector and somebody talks through it talks about what what's going on
1: yeah you had to go to your git client and you know find diffs and, and you know. <laughs> whereas now it's just all right there like like you said I, yeah and I think that yeah. has to do with our deployment schedules. I think so much of the development we do now is SAS based and web based that um, you can deploy multiple times a day for, you know, I mean, I think Amazon deploys a thousand or multiple thousands times a day, you know, they have people-
0: yeah. Okay. So, so one of the things we're taught we're, in order to get to there, um, there's the obvious need to monitor, right. And that's one of the places where roll bar fits in, but, it's if it's not roll bar somebody else monitoring is essential now um oh yeah so yeah uh, that's you you couldn't you couldn't deploy 15 minutes after a commit without without uh monitoring in production right correct
1: yeah like the notion that well and and that's the cool thing i think that you can because of monitoring and uh you know when you add in the fact that you know you've got a lot of the code you write is running on the client side um it's uh, it's important to know right away that uh, you can you you can know an error is occurring before your customer actually realizes it necessarily, or uh, before your customer actually can get around to reporting it. You know, you can maybe even find it and fix it in a matter of minutes if you do. And that's like I said, one of, like you said, one of the things Rollbar does is report those errors even on, from the client side into a system that lets you see them right away, so you can be monitoring production. Every, you know constantly and uh, you can associate a particular error with a particular release or a particular even a code check-in and uh, that makes for a pretty easy way to either roll back or immediately fix the problem that you see and uh, hopefully something that happened you know they, that can happen before your customer notices it
0: yeah and then there's other there's other even if you're not deploying straight from you know 15 minutes to commits to to production or something, even if it is like a weekly schedule or something, a lot of people are still doing like a, um, like a development server or something where Mm -hmm. to the, to the the developer, it may as well be deploying uh, in 15 minutes because if you, if you try to get that cycle time from commit to getting it on an integrated server uh, with everybody else's code um, that's um, and, and then you can, you know, run longer, longer running tests or whatever right. metrics you need to run against it. Right. Um, that's still a good thing, even if you're not going all the way. Right. So.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, anytime you can get feedback on what you've recently checked in as quickly as possible, that's really, really good. You know, if you can get 15 minute feedback here, you're going to, you're going f- to, I mean, it, it helps prevent technical debt. It helps prevent reduced bug fixing time there's all kinds of goodness that happens when you're when you're getting feedback very quickly
0: i'm like suddenly super jealous because <laughs> i still got c plus plus code in it oh yeah and and it takes 15 minutes to build the thing so <laughs> um indeed
1: it does but, yeah
0: <laughs> 15 minutes yeah. Is probably
1: good to, it's probably fast yeah
0: yeah it's a different it's a cool project uh to get down to 15 minute compiles um And and test suites and stuff of physical stuff, but you know, the web and microservices and stuff are Mm -hmm. a different beast than uh, programming devices. Very different, absolutely. But yeah, but uh, but all all similar sorts of things, even even if it's a different scale. Getting um, uh, bring these numbers down is a good thing. Um, so where okay, so we talked about um, uh, monitoring, but are there other are there other ways to, uh, I guess, how, how do I, What the question is where are the biggest gains, but how, how can we increase productivity, I guess?
1: Well, that's, a, that's an interesting question as well. Um, I think that uh, productivity can happen when uh, people are working on things that they want to work on, uh, when they're uh, feeling, uh, you know, empowered to make their own decisions about how to do things. I think uh, if they uh, can feel like they're growing and improving their skills and mastering what their trade Um, um, and then, you know, if they feel like they uh, have a reason for doing what they're doing, they're contributing to the company. I think all those things, you know, general morale issues really are the thing that make people more productive. And of course, training and learning and and mentoring and all those things can help make a junior developer into a, a senior developer. And, uh, uh, You know, I think that uh, that those are the kinds of things that I think a manager can really work on. And then there's the other more practical side, like making sure they have a very fast computer. Um, I've never understood the hesitancy to not get a uh, developer (laughs) the fastest computer because it pays for itself, right? I mean, you're talking about 15 minute compile times. Think if you know you could get a faster computer and that could come down to you know 10 minutes, and you compile five times a day that's half an hour a day times what 200 days a year that's 100 man hours that's 100 person hours that's a what a week's worth of productivity right there just by buying somebody <laughs> a new computer so
0: yeah that's like the cheapest win a company can do oh, is I know, just yeah. upgrading software um larger screens man um, yeah,
1: absolutely all those things a good keyboard comfortable desk you know making people feel feel uh we you know uh like like they're valuable you know by just by the hardware you buy. Them.
0: And those are, those are just fractions of what a developer salary is also oh, yeah, just. Absolutely. So, yeah.
1: yeah. If You look at an hourly wage for a developer, it's, if it saves them an hour a day. I mean, that's a big win.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Especially multiplying it over every five days a week. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, two, 200,
1: 200 work days a year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I,
0: one of the things around productivity, if we talk about productivity, is uh, how that how that incorporates into performance reviews. Yeah, um, got any thoughts around that?
1: I do. I'm not a big fan of the performance review. <laughs> um, you know, I I've seen performance reviews of developers where it all comes down to like measuring number, you know, um, and uh, measuring certain things people you know, like I mentioned earlier, the classic lines of code or any, any type of specific number that you want to measure. Um, I I, I'm kind of a, and then, you know, there's been like Microsoft used to do stack ranking and they, you know, GE is famous for firing their bottom 10% every year, which seems kind of insane to me. But after a while, I mean, maybe for the first few years that would work, you know, but after a while you've got, some yeah, good people, people left yeah. and then you're going to go fire. I don't know. Anyway. Um, but performance reviews, I think uh, the more general they can be, the better. Uh, one of the best places I ever, uh, I ever worked at had a performance review where they'd each quarter you'd list three. You would list three things you accomplished. Your manager would list three things that they thought you could work on. And then you'd get ranked either in the top 90%. Uh, 90 to 95 percentile, which was uh, basically would put you on a performance improvement program at that point. And then if you got ranked in the zero to 5% or whatever, or 90, you know, the bottom 5%, they basically said, you know, go grab your stuff. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the notion that uh, we're going to give a letter grade or some type of very specific number to developers in particular, I think is 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 challenging and dangerous and challenging in that i think it's hard to do um in a okay sub, an, an objective manner but i think well it's dangerous because you can you know you can cause people to leave you can cause morale you can cause attrition there's all kinds of things that can happen if somebody's you know given a 77 and they thought they were an 85 or whatever you know
0: yeah numbers are weird yeah yeah But there's also stuff like, um, I don't know, just, and I I don't know how this sort of relates to productivity, but this is one of those gut feel sort of things. Mm -hmm. But also I know you like, there's some people that if you give them something, it's going to get done and it's going to get done quickly. Sure. And, and then other people that, and and if they can't get it done quickly, they'll come back and they'll search for answers and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And there's other people that, you know, the same thing. If you give them to them, it's just going to take a while. Mm -hmm. Um, and and that may or may not be a good thing. If if they're also an attention to detail sort of person, that might be the prime thing for some tasks. Sure. But exactly right. Um. But there's there's that there, there's that happens, and so well, I guess let's not get around uh, uh, performance reviews, but. Um, if if we don't tie these metrics into performance reviews, what are we doing for? What are we uh, what are we using these metrics for at all? Is it for looking for problems? Is it is it for um, what?
1: Well, if you measure the team metrics, yeah, it's sort of a continuous looking for problems. If your pull request size starts rising, you can go back to the team and say, "Hey, you know, guys, we need to start shrinking our pull requests. Not a lot, but you know, it's starting to get above what we want." Um, I guess for me, performance reviews maybe I'm weird. I, I was never, I'm never motivated by them. Um, I've heard (laughs) that's not like, and then the other thing too is, you know, you don't want to wait till a performance review to let a let a person, let a developer know how they're doing. Um, you want to let them know right away. And then if you've let them know throughout the year, Hey, you're doing a great job. I rely on you. I always know you're going to come through. Or if you've been counseling a developer who maybe isn't doing that great. Um, a performance review seems redundant to me um yeah I, I sometimes get the feeling that performance reviews are driven by hr you know that they want to have a number for everybody they want to have a letter grade for everybody whatever um that may be part of it um but uh i if somebody wants it like some people i like i, I like i said i'm not somebody who is really into getting a performance review it doesn't you know as long as as long as you're not firing me, I'm, I'm doing it, you know, and you think I'm doing a good job, I'm okay. And you'll let me know that throughout the year. I'm fine. I don't need the performance review. Some people like them. And maybe the policy could hmm. be that, uh, if you like the, like a performance review, I'll give you one. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want one, I won't.
0: <laughs> I guess for me as a, as a, uh, a software manager, mm-hmm. uh, as well, um, the only, the only positive side, I think, of performance reviews is is that because I will have them, I have to think about them throughout the year. Yeah. I guess if I if I didn't have to do performance reviews, I might not be pay, paying attention to what somebody's doing good, what somebody's doing bad.
1: Keeping track I, of it,
0: yeah. Yeah, trying to keep track of it, whether or not keeping track of it's a good thing. But I think that is important for you to say. It wasn't really the topic of the podcast, but just... <laughs> um, it should be more real time, just like the cycle time. Just, just like sure. we're trying to get uh, code faster. Um, good things and bad things should be visible to it, that. Feedback should go back to the developer as fast as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, you don't want to. You never want a performance review if you're doing them to be a, a surprise. Never. That should. Yeah. Not, nobody should ever come into their performance review and go, "Holy mackerel! What am I? <laughs> what are you?
0: I, really? I also, you know." I also know that there's a, there's a legal standpoint of if there were problems, it's helpful for a a, a company to have written evidence that yeah. there that problems have been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so that if they have to let somebody go, they don't, um, yeah, that's a nice euf- euphemism too, isn't it? Let somebody go as if it's let their decision yeah. to leave. Allow <laughs>
1: we'll, we'll allow you to go. Yeah. We'll allow you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um it's
0: but you could stay but we're not going to pay you anymore
1: uh, <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> uh and actually you can't stay because we're taking your badge but you can hang out in the parking <laughs> lot if you want
1: yeah you can, uh, you can still connect to the wi-fi out in the parking lot oh wait we canceled <laughs> your wi-fi account okay
0: uh, never mind <laughs> um <laughs> but uh but i've never really thought about uh um so when you brought up the topic of developer productivity, I kind of cringed. I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if I want to talk about that because yeah. it brings up the whole lines of code thing, yep. oh, yeah. but, but utilizing some of these things to just even talk with the team about to go, you know, let's l- pick a handful of them to measure or just mm-hmm. find out what's easy to measure mm-hmm. and talk to the team even and say, what should we measure? What should we look at as a team? Right. Um, uh, and, or just, pick a few that you think are important and then bring it back and say, this is interesting. Our, our uh, most of our code reviews get, get looked at like pretty quickly, mm-hmm. like within a day or something, but is a day too long? Uh, do Do you want to try to, you know, how right. do people feel about that? Yeah, um,
1: that's what hap- That's the kind of thing that can happen when you're measuring things as a team and that, you know, the team can take responsibility for that and no individuals called out and nobody's, Getting in trouble because they were working on that very challenging, difficult bug, and it took too long. And all of a sudden, the the chart doesn't look right. And then, (laughs) yeah, you know, the VP of engineering who hasn't written a code, you know, line of code in their lives, says, "Well, you know, why is why is Sarah's taking so long to fix that bug? Well, it's a hard bug, you know, that kind of thing. You don't want those individual things called out or pointed out."
0: Yeah, I remember one. Uh, there was a, a group I was on, not the group I'm on now, a, a different company, um, where we were trying to get unit test numbers up mm-hmm. to try to, which is, you know, if you're measuring something, there's a way to game it. So, um, uh, and guess. things were user test numbers went up. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Unit test numbers go up. And we were measuring it. And it's a nice, it's, well, we had, you know, uh, we had a way to measure it and, uh, and, and we were, we were testing more, which is a good thing, mm-hmm. but we're, they were liking to see those graphs go up. Um, and then, you know, then we, we noticed that there was a, at one point, there was a refactor done to a, a, a test a test file. And instead of, instead of doing it with version control, it was copied to another name oh. and, and then modified uh, to a different algorithm and then, you know, we were also, sometimes that's a good thing. You're comparing it in mm-hmm. production to see, uh, if they're still operating the same and then it got left there. And so there was a big jump and then it got noticed like, oh, this is duplicate test. It's just taking an extra five minutes for no reason. Let's delete this. Cause it's redundant. Now the, the graph drops oh. suddenly we lost 50 tests. Um, yeah, so managers got upset and said, you know, what is going on? Why are we reducing test coverage? We're not. We just had, okay, this, right. this is silly that we, we have to do this explaining, but yes, right. this happened.
1: Yes. <laughs> well, that, that's exactly right. Like, you know, the, the notion that sometimes the best thing you can do is delete 100 lines of code, right? Yeah. That, that, reduce 100 lines of code down to 10. That might be the greatest thing. You know, that might even be a big win.
0: Yeah. And um, I guess I'm, but I'm glad that we weren't measuring test time. I mean, we probably should because, uh, you know, a test suite should be fast also. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but it's really fast if you put no ops in all the test functions and That's- don't assert on anything.
1: Uh, <laughs> test count goes up, speed goes down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a reason for the stuff to be there. But yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to do common sense. Absolutely. But, um did uh any other uh topics around productivity that we want to cover
1: actually there was something interesting i I put a a poll up on my link up on my linkedin uh site you know my linkedin account the other profile yeah and i uh, asked the question do you want to do you prefer a developer who um Would be really, really slow, but wrote almost no bugs, or somebody who is maybe say average time and wrote average bugs. In other words, is there any advantage to somebody who maybe takes twice as long to do something but doesn't but makes it almost impossible to find bugs in their code? Hmm. And interestingly, most people wanted that second one, and uh, I thought, which one's the second one? The second. Sorry, the second was slow, but but very, very high quality code. Okay. Versus Interesting. Sort of an average developer or a, a, you know, good developer who does things fairly quickly, but you know, there's, there's bugs in their code. And this actually yeah. stemmed out of a very real life situation that I had back in Borland. I had a developer on the JBuilder team who was notorious for this. He was very slow, but I mean, his downstream costs were very, very minimal because it was like a badge of honor for QA to find a bug in his code before, you know, <laughs> you know, holy crap you found a bug in bill's code are you kidding me How'd you do that? <laughs> what show everybody you know <laughs> but he but he would take you know probably two twice as long to finish a project now in the environment of shipping once a year that's probably okay right because then you got time to you know you 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 don't have to sh- you know i i use the i wrote a blog about it actually and i i used the example of Say a project takes uh, takes a person one week, and they f- they find three bugs, and uh, in, in, but it's those bugs are f- reported very quickly because we test. You know, you have got the production reporting bugs like a tool like roll bar, if I may. Yeah. And uh, 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 they get those bugs fixed, and in three days, and so they've used a total of eight working days to create a new feature, whereas you know the the slower faster slower quality guy writes the person writes the uh uh feature in 2 weeks and there's no bugs well who was faster you know that, that that kind of is an interesting productivity yeah. question and uh maybe in this day and age the person who writes high quality code isn't as valuable as the person who writes good quality code but can very quickly find the errors in their in their code and fix them. It's just something to think about. I don't know, in terms of, you know, the real productivity of a developer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we, and we've we've got, uh, it is interesting, the different styles. I don't think you could compare the two, really. Yeah, ultimately, I mean,
1: if somebody's writing good quality code, it's hard to argue against that, ultimately. So,
0: it, and Except for if it takes, like, three times as long times or four times, times. as yeah, long. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 So, yeah interesting um i was also it used to be more real i, mean, I guess without without uh quick systematic testing mm-hmm. uh that's pretty thorough um and also uh you know system level testing and testing in production things like that um if you if you can't do that then there's definitely uh, there's definitely wins on, on the quality side oh yeah yeah um um, and it used to be, I, I guess, uh, utilizing that. Um, we we still had issues back then of having people uh, get frustrated uh, with with slower people mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because they were, you know, I'm I'm doing this stuff, putting this out really quickly. What's what's going on with you? Yeah, but if you take a look at your code, there's a <laughs> it's a there's got a bunch of bugs in it, and just because we don't have the test suite to catch them. We'll catch them later, uh, right, right. and or hopefully we'll catch them later. Um, and people, you would just wouldn't test that. I mean, we would we'd measure things. It like you said, it also depends on what you're measuring. Um, if you measure uh, when we have the ability to just throw it over the wall to the QA and debugging and uh, and polishing it isn't counted against the time it took you to develop the feature. The time the time to develop the feature is really just looking at. How fast did you push it to the next team? Right. Um, then you're going to, you, why do quality code? Just push it to the next team as soon as you have an idea down. Correct. Um, I, I, used, I was a kind of a brat about this sometimes, and I would sometimes say, um, well, all the features are finished except for none of them work, um, <laughs> uh, and we're, we're, we're now in the debug phase. So. Or <laughs>
1: we better get right in code because we're going to have a lot of bugs to fix.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, or it's it's just got one defect that it's not implemented yet. Yeah, um, that's
1: its only deep. Yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Old school stuff so. like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think that there's, things are changing, you know, like because, uh, you know, the quick turnaround times just have changed the way things work. Observability has just changed the way code works, right? I can remember being on Beta tests of software packages back, you know, in twenty years ago, when people would write the code and and the QA people would test it, but then it, it would hit, it would hit the beta testers and beta testers, we would find bugs, and now the time from the point when the code was written till the bug was reported is measured in weeks or months, and that's just not, that's costly. You know, the farther away yeah. a, the farther away a bug is found from the time it was written is is more you know the more costly it gets well like I said if if uh, you're fine if you're doing turning them around and finding those bugs in 15 20 minutes well that reduces that cost quite drastically.
0: yeah and one of the benefits that we don't really talk about um, and cost savings of finding things quickly and getting it to production quickly is the um, is kind of like the snowball effect of what happens to code mm-hmm. so um, y- even if you know exactly even an easy to fix bug today is going to be might be hard a month from now or two months from now because mm-hmm. you're going to build architecture on top of that feature and now if you want to yank that feature or move it to a different you know re- refactor it move it to change it completely right. because it was buggy um you now you have to change all the dependency parts of it mm. and everything whereas finding it quickly uh, is beneficial Absolutely. Um also it's changed the how we test because um like like that even that term beta tester. Oh yeah. I uh <laughs> we don't I mean companies just guess what? We're all beta testers. They'll just segment <laughs> yeah. You didn't you didn't think you volunteered, but you did. Yes. Um with with like percentage deployments and stuff. People, you know, uh deploy a feature to one percent of the population and oh yeah, yeah. And monitor to see if it's going, you know, getting slower for them or if anybody complains yeah feature uh, flags
1: are a great invention i mean that's just a really powerful tool
0: oh yeah feature flags because people can you can uh in production hmm. uh put a feature in and out um so do if you yeah i guess do pe- people use feature flags for uh percentage deployments as well or
1: i don't know i when i think of feature flags i generally think of a sas you know yeah. like web 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 application deployment or mobile. Um, But I don't see any reason why you couldn't for a more traditional client server type application or just desktop application. You could, I suppose. I don't know. I suppose you have to have an internet connection, but.
0: Yeah. But I mean, like uh, when people say, uh, you know, like 10% of the people coming in get one view, like AB testing sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. But AB testing with with features. um, So.
1: Yeah. that I think that happens. Yeah. You, you may deploy a. I think you can. I mean, I know you can deploy to specific customers. You can just deploy to a certain percentage of people. I think you can do all that. Yeah. And I don't see any reason why you wouldn't want to.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're all beta testers. <laughs> so um,
1: all beta testers now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's w- people that even know what beta testing is. <laughs> you think so? I don't know. I guess In some of the. Some of the newer, newer folks out there, earlier career folks might never even heard that term so much anymore. I don't know if it's even used that popularly.
0: So yeah, we, we, we have changed the term. So um, if, if I guess we still have it, but we call it early access program.
1: Oh, there you go. Yeah. A nice euphemism uh-huh. for beta testers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds better. <laughs> that sounds like, ooh, it's micro- early access. That sounds
1: like a Microsoftism if there ever was one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um i've seen it from a lot of companies yeah, so they
1: started it though i think that was the original
0: one huh. uh, i sure appreciated it with even book writing so uh yeah. and that wasn't possible uh you know a decade ago no. but uh, uh both both editions of the Pytest book i put out we had uh beta readers so we would had when we'd have like about half the book written or completed and edited um, release it to uh, beta readers, and it's, it's just a, just somebody you can buy the book early.
1: How would you do that? What did you, did you need uh, a platform for that? Or
0: yeah, so uh, pragmatic is a platform for it. So we we would release. Um, uh, I I forget what we had. So it's a sixteen chapter book. I think we had nine chapters when we released to everybody, or eight or nine, um, and then uh people can read it um it's an ebook at that point it's not a physical right, book right um but uh and then we had a like basically a um a rata page where people could uh log in and say hey on page like 43 there's a typo or something yeah um and then we could uh, uh fix those as we go or people could say yeah this is totally confusing um you know, I might have to rewrite. That's a a powerful,
1: that's a powerful thing. Yeah. More eyeballs on a, on a book in particular. I've written a few books over the years and uh, the more eyeballs you can get on it, the better. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And just the ease with eBooks and eBook readers, we we would, um, the, the, I guess the, the, some really great feedback I got was from, um, uh, sending it out to experts in the field. So we'd pick like maybe eight or 10 people that really know what they're doing. And send them out. And if they've got time, they can review parts. Sure. And it, it also focused with me. So like with code reviews, uh, it's good to have a checklist of what you're looking for. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Of like, well, hey, I'm looking for, you're looking for, does it actually function? Um, you're not looking for, is it implemented exactly how you would? Because that's not fair. Right. Um, um, similar to books, I would, um, be, I pick different people for different reasons. So like th- there was somebody that was a, uh, the teacher, so I said, "Could you look at the 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 questions that I ask at the end of the chapter and oh, see yeah. how, how 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 good those are?" Um, and then other people that were more experts in the tool itself, I would say, "Yeah, can, can you make sure I didn't <laughs> screw something up?" Um, uh, but but then, so getting feedback from them and then from the beta readers, it was extra work, of course. But in the end, we got a more solid book, and mm-hmm. books are more similar to. A traditional how software used to be written sure yeah. um Good point. where you, you give it to a few people then you give it to a few more people and you have testers and and at, at some point you have to say it's done and release it right um there's i mean you can do second you can do second printings to fix some things but uh, things like that but mm-hmm. anyway it's changed a lot plus man being able to just use version control for uh, like software version control to write a book it was oh, great yeah
1: that was that's that's really neat absolutely yeah, it's just but, text right so it's
0: yeah yeah um anyway so it was uh fun talking with you about yeah, productivity great.
1: thank you very much
0: yeah it gave me a lot to think about now i'm gonna have to go look at look at some of these uh, features all so.
1: right cool very good thanks mm-hmm.
0: Thank you, Nick. Interesting discussion and a lot to think about. Thank you, Patreon supporters. You keep me motivated. Seriously. Thank you. Become a supporter by visiting testingcode.com support. Every dollar helps. If you found this episode interesting or useful, please share it. Tweet about it. Tell a friend. Share with a coworker. Help the show grow by one. Thanks for listening. Now go out and try to have fun coding.